Hello there, old and new friends. Welcome to Divine Musing, episode 44, Carried to the Table. I am Destiny Rambo Corey, and I am so thankful that you have joined me for this journey into scripture, literature, poetry, and prayer as we view them through the light of transformation and growth. Here's something I've been thinking about lately. We begin with a quote from the amazing Brene Brown. Shame corrodes the very part of us that believes we are capable of change. Today, I want to talk about a little-known figure of the Old Testament, a man who we first come to know as Mephibosheth, whose name epically means exterminating the idol. When we think about the story of King David, there are several other leading characters who immediately come to mind. King Saul, Samuel the prophet, Goliath the giant, his best friend Jonathan, who happened to be Saul's son, probably Bathsheba, and a few others. But aside from a few brilliant teachings and songs, the story of Mephibosheth has gone largely untold. We all know the story of David and Goliath, at least I hope we all do, and we know that Saul was the king during the time of Goliath's defeat. We know that David and Saul's son Jonathan were closer than brothers. There was a love between them that was sacred and eternal. After Saul and Jonathan were killed in battle, it was a long and arduous journey to the throne for David as Saul's sons and followers made it almost impossible for him to take the throne. Israel and Judah were divided and bloodshed and deceit were daily occurrences. I'm surprised there aren't more like movies or books or TV shows about this part of the story. Uh, It's so violent and scandalous that it would probably take one of the edgier networks to even get it made. And even then, no one would believe that it was all a true story because of how utterly outrageous those times were, for real. So we're in the midst of the telling of this bloody and gut-wrenching time in David's life when we are first introduced to Mephibosheth in 2 Samuel 4.4. It says, Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son whose feet were crippled. He was five years old when the news of the deaths of Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. And the boy's nurse picked him up and fled. But it happened while she was hurrying to flee, he fell and became lame. His name was Mephibosheth. Then for four chapters, we hear nothing. His story resumes in 2 Samuel 9, beginning at verse 1. It says, And David said, Is there still anyone left of the house, family of Saul, to whom I may show kindness for Jonathan's sake? There was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. So they called him to David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? He said, I am your servant. And the king said, Is there no longer anyone left in the house family of Saul to whom I may show the goodness and graciousness of God? Ziba replied to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan, one whose feet are crippled. 
So the king said to him, where is he? And Ziba replied to the king, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel in Lodabar. Then King David sent word and had him brought from the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David and fell face down and lay himself down in respect. David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Here is your servant. David said to him, Do not be afraid, for I will certainly show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan, and will restore to you all the lands of your grandfather Saul, and you shall always eat at my table. Again, Mephibosheth lay himself face down and said, What is your servant that you would be concerned for a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and to all his house and family. You and your sons and your servants shall cultivate the land for him, and you shall bring in the produce so that your master's grandson may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, Your servant will do according to everything that my lord the king commands. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table as one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah, and all who lived in Ziba's house were servants to Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he always ate at the king's table, and he was lame in both feet. This man's story is so incredibly moving to me. There are so many different parts of it that are moving. Um, one primarily being uh, the part where he refers to himself as a dead dog. He was lame by no fault of his own, and scholars believe that he had to be carried everywhere, either by man or a beast. I did some digging into what he meant here when he calls himself a dead dog, because I just had a feeling that there was more to what that meant than just our basic understanding of, I'm a dead dog. Um, the Hebrew words translated here refer to cattle or animals who are too deformed that they should be put to death because to go on living would be too painful. He's essentially saying that he believes he is so worthless, so damaged and broken that he just needs to be put down and relieved of his misery, much like a farmer would do to a lame horse. It is absolutely gut-wrenching to know that even as the son of the prince, the grandson of the king, he saw himself as worthless. I can really relate to those feelings. There have been so many times throughout my life that I have felt so damaged beyond repair that the only practical course of action was to die. I know that might sound harsh, but it's the honest truth. There are times that I look back on seasons of my life where ending it all seemed less painful than to continue to live with my deformities. Mephibosheth 
even in the presence of the king who had summoned him to bless him and favor him, was so blinded by his own shame, he initially couldn't hear the goodness being bestowed on him. How often do we see ourselves in this light? How many times are we carried to the table of the king only to convince him of all the reasons why we think we don't belong there? When will we learn that in the same way that Mephibosheth was favored because of the relationship of David and his father, Jonathan, we are favored because of the relationship of Jesus and the father. We may be lame in our bodies, our minds, our hearts, or our souls, but still he sends for us and offers us a home and his table. He restores the inheritance that we thought was gone forever. At that table, Mephibosheth was not seen as a cripple. His twisted legs were hidden beneath the banquet that the king had spread before him. At the table, he was respected as equals to the sons of the king. Sorry. His story is such a beautiful picture of the redemption Jesus claimed for us before we were ever born. A redemption sealed with the communion of his own broken body and spilled blood. Mephibosheth remained a loyal friend and ally to David, even through another wave of shame when his servant Ziba betrayed him. That's a crazy story. Um, But at that point, He was so confident in his relationship with the king, and David upheld his word to him until the end. (sighs) I'm a mess, y'all. This story really just... mm, Sorry. (sighs) Well, the icing on the cake of this endearing and really powerful story is found over in 1 Chronicles 18. We are right in the middle of all of the genealogy listings, and in chapter 18, the focus is on the descendants of King Saul. Verse 34 says, The son of Jonathan was Meribbal, Mephibosheth, and Meribbal became the father of Micah. In the course of his story, he was given a new name. We don't know how, we don't know when, but we know that when historians decided to write down the genealogy of those who had gone before, his name was no longer recorded as Mephibosheth, but as Meribal. The name Meribal means contender against Baal, dispeller of shame. For those of you who don't know Baal or Balaam, he was a Phoenician deity who was a major part of the Old Testament people's lives. Some scholars actually believe that Baal and the god Moloch were actually one in the same. Without going off on a big time rabbit trail about him, I'll say this much. He was one of the most wicked gods, little g, that the world has ever known. He preyed on women and children to be used in rituals and sacrifices, and he exuded a quote-unquote power that at times was confusing to the Israelites. Baal was known as the writer of the clouds and in many ways was seen by them as comparable to God. In fact, so many Israelites were confused between this alleged power and the true power of Yahweh that they were lured into cults. 
convinced they were devoured or devout followers of the Lord, yet worshiping in the shrines of Baal. He was also known as the Lord of shame, and his priests would break people down on a psychological level to sway them into belief in him. Why am I going into all this, you may ask? Well, at the beginning of our talk today, I brought up the fact that the name Mephibosheth means dispeller of the idol. But after his encounter with the king, his name was changed. No longer was he simply one whose existence challenged the idols of the world in a vague sense. He was awakened to his specific assignment to contend against Baal and become the dispeller of shame. How many of us have lived our lives damaged and identifying simply with our brokenness? How many of us have denied the king's invitation to the table time and time again because we consider ourselves unworthy? How many of us have stayed away because our pride wouldn't allow us to be carried into his presence? How much time has evaporated before us like water in the hot sun as we isolate ourselves in our pain and deformities? After so long, we begin to forget that our scars or our handicaps in life may not have been formed by our own mistakes, but by the frantic help of someone acting in love trying to save us. But for all their compassion, they simply didn't have the strength to do it alone. They were doing the best that they could with the energy they had to give. Mephibosheth's nursemaid wasn't trying to hurt him. She was rescuing him. I wonder how long it took for him to remove the blame of his crippled legs off of her and to alter it into a cloak of shame for himself. No matter how much time has passed or how long the shame has been worn, we know that one drink from the cup of the king's table brings restoration. Who cares that we might have been needed to be carried there? One bite of the broken body of our Lord can breathe life into the dead and withered places. Accepting our seat at the table and allowing his communion life to pour down our throats and into our souls brings so much more than we could possibly imagine, including a change of identity from dead dog to dispeller of shame. If you are in a place where the story of Maribal is resonating with you on deep levels and you are ready to be carried to his table and receive your change of identity, then why don't we pray this prayer together? Divine creator, you sent your son Jesus to earth to show us a living example of the table you have set for us. Through his broken body and his spilled blood, the voice of grace echoes into infinity and beckons us to come home. We have been gone from the palace of our Father for too long, and we are desperate to return. Meet us in our frailties and help us to surrender to the mighty hands of Holy Spirit to be carried back to the place of our birthright. We long to not only be reestablished in our seat at the table, but to set an example for others that if we can finally dispel the cloak of shame, they can too. 
We shut out the voice of the deceiver that points only to our weaknesses in an attempt to sway us back under his power and turn our ears only to the voice of our true king. We submit once and for all to our identity change from dead dog to dispeller of shame. In Jesus' beloved name, amen. Thank you so much for joining me today as I blubbered away (laughs) through this musing. You all are so amazing. Um, I will leave you with a quote from The NeverEnding Story by Michael Endy. Nothing is lost. Everything is transformed. I hope this musing has given you a little something to think about too. Thank you so much for joining me today for Divine Musing. For more information, head over to www.rambocory.com. I would love to connect with you on social media. You can find me at facebook.com forward slash destiny makes music or on Instagram and Twitter at Des Rambo Music.